Well, thank you, Brother Ed, for uh, leading us in worship this morning, and uh, our Brother Bill for that wonderful uh, communion thought to center our hearts and minds on the cross and of the sacrifice that Jesus made on our behalf. I want to say good morning and welcome to the Mission Viejo Church of Christ. What a great day to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Uh, if you're visiting with us for the first time, which I'm seeing a number of visitors with us today, we want to let you know that you are our honored guest and that you're always welcome to attend this church whenever the doors are open. And I don't know what brought you out this way. Maybe you got an invite from a friend or family member. Maybe you're just passing through, whatever the case is. We're so thrilled and excited that you're here with us this morning, and we believe you've come to the right place because I don't think you'll find a finer church in all of Mission Viejo. Also want to let you know that we have a fellowship luncheon prepared after service today. So if you're visiting with us, we really want you to stay with us after the service today. We'll meet over in the fellowship hall over here. You can see some of our guys back there grilling some stuff and getting ready. So we want you to stay with us and eat with us so that we can get to know you and, and, and talk a little bit. And uh, I think you'll have a great time if you decide to stay with us. So we just want to make sure that you know about that and that you're invited to it. So, um, Last week, during the sermon, we, we talked about the importance of being real. Remember last week? Hopefully you can remember all the way back to last week. We talked about the importance of being real. And uh, it's important to be real because it helps us in conversations with other people. And, and one of the practical applications that I gave you last week was to make sure you embrace your inner weirdness. Do you guys remember that? Embrace your inner weirdness. And I, I tell you what, I didn't know what to expect by sharing that practical application with you. But I tell you what, after the service, I had a line of people come up to me and start telling me all the stuff that they do that is just weird. And, and I didn't know how to accept it or take it in, but, but I want to thank everyone for sharing. And I am proud to say that we have a lovely, lovely group of weird people at this church. Amen. Now, if you're visiting with us, I say that in a good way, right? But uh, I, I'm so thrilled by that. I'm glad that uh, you were able to embrace that and, and work with that uh, this week. So today, uh, the sermon is entitled, Be Ready. Be ready. I don't know about you, but uh, always being prepared is often problematic, especially when it comes to the subject of sharing the gospel or the truth of the gospel with, with others. It can be hard. Sometimes we're caught off guard when it comes to sharing, or sometimes we just procrastinate. But the fact is, God wants all of us to be prepared and to be ready to give an answer to people concerning the hope that we have. And the definition of hope, if you didn't know, is to expect something with confidence. And confidence is a powerful tool that we should learn to embrace as disciples of the greatest kingdom on earth. If you have your Bibles this morning, I want you to open up to Matthew chapter 13. If you have your Bibles or your phone or your tablet, there's some Bibles in the back of our pews this morning if you don't have a copy. But I want you to open up to Matthew chapter 13, and I want to look at verses 3 through 8. And if you know Matthew chapter 13, you know that it is the parable of the sower. And I think there's a lot to be learned here in looking at the parable of 
the sower. So Matthew chapter 13, and I'm going to start at verse number 3, and you guys follow along with me. Scripture says, Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. And you guys have read through this passage before, the parable of the sower. And the parable of the sower is a parable that, that is found in, in all of the synoptic gospels, right? And, and, and we read it, and it is often, if you didn't know, been referred to as the parable of the soils, because it's not so much about what the farmer did, but it's really about the type of soil that was contained in this, in this section of Scripture. Jesus, if you didn't know, spoke in parables. And we often say that Jesus spoke in parables so that it could be a simple message for everyone to understand, right? You've heard those sermons. Jesus spoke in parables so that everybody could get it. But you know, that's not the reason why Jesus spoke in parables. The reason why Jesus spoke in parables is so that not everyone could understand him. And you're going, wait a minute, where are you going with that, preacher? Yeah, Jesus spoke in parables so that everyone in the world didn't necessarily, under, or couldn't necessarily understand him. You see, a parable was more like Morse code, right? And there's a special population of people that understand Morse code. In other words, Jesus' parables or his message was for disciples or true followers of him. And that's why he spoke in parables, because if you were a true disciple, you could understand what he was saying. And that's the opposite of what we think about when we think about parables today. In other words, Jesus says it this way, my sheep hear my what? My voice, and they obey. And that's the purpose of a parable. And in this parable, we find that farming in Jesus' day was pretty tough. They didn't have high-end equipment, so they really couldn't stay in touch, uh, or they really had a, 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 a difficult task when it came to spreading, spreading seed. You see, what they would do is they would till a plot of ground, and they would start at one area of the, of the ground and, and move all the way to the other area. And it would take time throwing out the seed. And it was a difficult process. And it was the same type of seed, but sometimes it would fall in different type of soil and ultimately, the farmer, as the scripture says, was looking for good soil. So it says in verse number 23, but the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 and 30 times what was sown. So bear with me, bear with me. The farmer was looking for good soil so that it could take root and grow with the hopes of this, this seed and this crop producing enough food to feed many people. 
You know, today I'm not a farmer. I usually go to Sprouts or Ralph's to get, you know, my food, like many of you. If you're cheap, you go to Walmart. But anyway, you go out and you go shopping. I shouldn't say cheap if you're cost efficient. How about that one? Right? And you go to the store and you get your, get your, your products. But what I do know is if we're trying to plant and if you're doing farming today, what we can do today is we can change the soil, can't we? I bet you if you talk to Chuck, one of the things that he does is he has a green thumb. He likes to be in the yard, right? And in order to grow something, you sometimes have to change the soil. So what you add is you add fertilizer, right? And you have irrigation systems. And sometimes what you do is you put nets over your crops so that the bugs can't eat up the crops, right? But this wasn't necessarily the case during Jesus' day. There were types of soil that really weren't changed that much. And if we think about the parable, we all know what the farmer represents. The farmer represents a, a Christian or a disciple. What is the seed? Well, the seed is the good news of the gospel. And what is the soil? The soil is the hearts of men and women. And I want to make this clear. Just like the soil in this passage, usually the hearts of men and women that we encounter today don't change. Did you know that? Who you are is typically who you are and who you'll always be. People's hearts don't change too much. And when they do change, we can say that's a miracle from God, amen? Because people typically don't change. They are who we are. Or they are who they are. So uh, in this passage of Scripture, I basically see four different types of hearts. So if you have your uh, sermon outline this morning, you can take it out of your bulletin. And uh, we've got a question for you this morning, and you can fill in some of these principles. And the question is, wh what types of heart? Na we need to name, what are the four types of hearts that we see from th this passage of Scripture on the, on the parable of the sower? There's four, four types of hearts that we encounter. The first heart that we encounter is the hard heart. And many of you have probably encountered people with a hard heart. And we'll talk about what that means here in a moment. The second type of heart that we encounter, or soil that we see in this text, right, is the shallow heart. Have you ever met some shallow people before? Wow, none of you. Um, the next heart that we find is the crowded heart, okay? And then lastly, we see the receptive heart. Heart. And this is really what, what Jesus is talking about in this parable. Four different types of hearts that we encounter. So what is the hard heart? Do you know that you might encounter people today that say they have no need for God in their life? There's people like that today that, that if you talk to them about church, if you talk to them about God, religion, they say, I have no need for God. While I was a campus uh, minister at Loyola Marymount, I worked with a lot of college students, and it was interesting. This was a Catholic university, but we had students there that did not believe in God, and we were having a conversation, and I asked the question, well, how did you get where you are today? They said, by my own determination. God had nothing to do with it. So there are people that we encounter today that have no need for God in their life. And that is a hard heart. They have no church experience. And you'll find that people today, some have, have, never, have never been in, in, involved in a church or been to church before. And that's the first heart that we encounter. We can encounter a hard heart. Secondarily to that, we see people with shallow hearts. If you share the gospel with a person with a shallow heart, 
usually what happens is they're receptive to it. And usually what I call people with shallow hearts, and this may sound bad, but they are an emotional receiver of the gospel. And in my years of ministry, I've been in ministry for about 10 years full time now, I've seen a lot of shallow hearts. Meaning, people will come to church and they'll have some kind of experience in their life that they're struggling through, something kind of traumatic happened to them, and they'll come to church and they'll hear the gospel message and they'll start crying and they say, I need to be baptized, I need to give my life to the Lord right now. And they'll be in such a hurry to to repent and to be baptized in water, and then they come to church for about one, two, three Sundays, and then we start seeing them monthly and then every six months until we don't see them at all. And sadly, I see a lot of that in the church today. I think we've had something like 20 baptisms uh, since I've been in full-time ministry here at at Mission Viejo. I could be wrong with that number, but I I wrote down some of the baptisms that I have been a part of, and I'm looking at that list. Many of those people aren't there anymore. They're not here anymore. Why? Because in my opinion, They had shallow hearts or they were emotional receivers. And you know what typically people do when they have shallow hearts or they're emotional receivers? They blame it on the church context. So you'll find a lot of people that say, you know, I went to church, but I had a bad church experience. So now I don't ever want to be a part of a church again because it was just a terrible, terrible experience. So sometimes when we're spreading out the seed, we meet people like that. They have a shallow heart, emotional, they get into the church, and then they fizzle out and quit. Here's another heart that we we encounter, the crowded heart. And guess what? This is one that we've got to be aware of because I think many of us fall into this category. Do you know what the crowded heart is? It's someone that receives the Word of God and decides to put the Lord on in baptism, and becomes a disciple of Jesus Christ, but they got so much stuff going on in their life that they can't devote all this time to their faith. So what happens is faith becomes second, third, fourth place to other things. And sadly, I see a lot of this in the church today. Because of the busyness of what's going on, they've got school, they've got work, they've got after-school activities, they've got relatives they have to go see, they have vacations that they've got to take. And because of the busyness of their life, the Scripture says they become unproductive and unfruitful citizens of the kingdom. And their faith and their spirituality and their church life goes down the list to number four and number five. And they're okay with that. And guess what? I see a lot of that in the church today. A lot of that. Crowded hearts. And then, number four, we see the receptive heart. And hopefully, this is the heart that we all get to encounter. And the receptive heart is, uh, well, before I go to the receptive heart, I got to, let me touch back on crowded heart one more time. Usually, people with crowded hearts are a part of a really good church. A really good church context, Right? They're so busy, but they're a part of this really good church, and this church has a lot of good stuff going on, and they simply can't plug in because they're too busy. Okay, so that's typically what happens. And then lastly, we see the receptive heart. And the receptive heart is a person that is open to going to church and to hearing about church and open to actually doing something about it. And hopefully all of us can encounter people, and we are people that are receptive and have receptive hearts. But that's the four type of people that we encounter today when we start this process of outreach and sharing the good news of Jesus Christ, right? 
four different types of people. And ultimately, we're looking for people with receptive hearts that are able to take in the word and impact the lives of other people and they're receptive to the church. Now, here we go. If you think about uh, this, this parable, what's interesting about this parable is this farmer only had a 25% success rate, if you think about it, right? He was sowing the seed, throwing it out there, and only one type of heart was receptive or one type of soil. He had a 25% success rate. This tells me that the gospel of Jesus Christ is not for everybody. It tells me that wide is the gate that leads to destruction and narrow is the way that leads to salvation. This gospel thing, not everybody is receptive to. However, what we do know about the farmer is he didn't say, you know, since only 25%, uh, since only this type of soil is receptive, I'm going to do the bare minimum. I'm going to do this type of work. I'm not going to put forth that much effort. And I'm not going to worry about the church growing or disciples being made because narrow is the way, right? No, he still put out the same amount of effort. He still did it. And it tells me that we've got to do the same thing. And what I love about the farmer is that he was always optimistic that some seed would eventually fall on good soil. You know what our job is as a church? Our job to do as a church is to make sure we spread the seed. But you know what I do know? Sometimes we say, hey, since narrow is the way, people aren't too receptive, so we're not, we're not going to... Let's focus internally, right? Let's focus on internally. But the Scripture says we've, we are in the business, if we are disciples, we are in the business of spreading seed. That's what we do. That's why we exist. And if we continue to do that, eventually some seed will fall on some good, good soil. So here's the question that we need to ponder together. Um, what do we tell people if we meet some people and they are receptive to the gospel and they're open and they have this receptive heart and they're ready to go to church? What do we tell them? How do we communicate the gospel to them if we see that they have this heart? I want you to think about this and process this with me. The first thing that we need to do when we encounter people that are open to the gospel or open to coming to church or open to hearing our message, we have to let them know what Scripture says in Romans chapter 3 and verse number 23. All of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Typically what happens is when people come to church, they think this is a museum of saints, right? Especially our church. You walk into this auditorium, you're like, Wow. This is nice. And then you look at all the people, everybody's dressed up and we're all smiling. Hello, brother. Hello, sister. You're like, where am I, heaven? That's what I hope people think when they come to our church, right? <laughs> but what they need to know is all of us have problems in our life. All of us are sinners. All of us have issues. And that's what we communicate to people when they come in. Look, we're not any better than you. This is not a museum for saints. This is a hospital for sinners. That's what the church is. So all of us fall short of the glory of God. All of us are sinners. We're not any better than anybody else. So you tell that to someone when they have a receptive heart. And then what else? Well, we've got to tell them what it says in Romans chapter 6 and verse number 23. Look, let me tell you what happens as a result of our sin. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. So what we communicate, look, because of our choices... There's always consequences. Can I get an amen to that? Because of our choices, there's always consequences, even when we think we got away with it. Right? 
I'm just reminded of countless situations. I was pretty slick growing up. I was one of those kids that would smile a lot, but I would always be in the mess. Always. Cookies missing out of the cookie jar, it was me. Right? But I would blame it on my brother or my sister. Amen? <laughs> oh, you too. <laughs> but guess what? Someone's always there watching. Someone's always there watching. So whenever we fall short of the glory of God, realize that there are ways. We get payment for that. And the end result is death. But God is giving us a gift. And that gift is eternal life in Jesus Christ the Lord. So that's the second thing that we communicate to people that have a receptive heart. We're all sinners. We're going to be accountable for what we do. But guess what? We have an opportunity to get all things correct and right in Jesus Christ. And then lastly, we conclude with this, Romans chapter 5 and verse number 8. Let me show you what God did, which is so amazing and so powerful. God demonstrated his own love for us and that this, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were in our cesspool of mess, Christ said, you know what? I'm coming to give you salvation. I'm coming to love on you and give you a chance to be with me in the glory. And that's powerful. And people who have receptive hearts, they go, okay, what do I need to do now? I need to get my life right. And that's how we communicate. That's how we're always ready, right? The, the sermon title is Be Ready. If we're going to be ready, we have to know that we need to communicate these things. And as we close this morning, I want to give you some, some practical application as always, okay? So here's what I know about people that... Um, this gives us a greater opportunity to share the gospel and to be ready, right? So here's some practical application for you that I want you to kind of work with this week, because I think this is something that all of us can do, okay? So what do I want you to do with the sermon material? What does it mean to be ready? Why do we always need to be ready? Why would we be looking out for different type of soil? How do we do that? So here's, here's one thing that I want you to do. If we want to be always ready, and we want to be people that share the truth of the gospel with people and help change their lives, what we need to do is we need to look for crisis. Here's what I do know. When people are going through hard times, they will come to church, won't they? When people got something going on in their lives and they're going through difficulties, all of a sudden they become receptive, don't they? When everything is good and you can pay all your bills and you're going on vacation, you don't have time for God. But let something happen in your family situation. Let someone come down with cancer. Let someone lose a job and all of a sudden they become open, right? So here's what I want you to do this week. I want you to look for people that are going through crisis and I want you to intervene. And it can be as simple as this. You see someone at work that is obviously stressed out or going through something. You go up and say to them, looks like you're having a tough time. Can I help you with anything? And you'll be surprised what that does. Or you have a friend or a family member that looks like they're going through something. Just check in on them. How are you doing today? Can I help you with anything? And see what happens. So this week, I'm going to give you this task. I want you to look for people or watch out for people that you see are going through some kind of difficult time. And you'll be surprised how many people you encounter, and you'll be surprised with the opportunities that you have when you simply just check in and see how people are doing. And I think all of us can probably do that this week, because you will encounter somebody that's going through some kind of hardship. Here's another thing that we can do. That's point number, nine. Point number two is this. When it comes to being ready and when it comes to sharing the gospel, I think we need to be mindful of the global mission of the church. 
Oftentimes, when we think about being ready and sharing the gospel, we're thinking very locally, right? And I think that's a good way to start and a good way to... Pro- you got your next-door neighbor, you got your co-workers, you got your family members, your friends. I think that's a good way. But I would encourage us not to neglect the global mission of the church. There's a lot of ways to be involved globally when it comes to sharing the gospel. Kayan has this wonderful ministry that you heard about this morning called Hands and Feet, Right? And what she does is she, uh, with a few other ladies, they come together and they sew dresses and then they send the dresses off blessing people. We have this other ministry called World Bible School where we're talking with people from different parts of the country, having Bible studies with them. Let's not neglect that. We just had a group that came back from Mexico. I would encourage everyone here to be involved in some kind of global ministry or mission work. Everybody whether it's simply being involved in grading a test with World Bible School or joining KN or going to Mexico, think globally, okay? And then lastly, as we close this morning, I want you to write this down. Donuts does the spirit good. <laughs> Just write that down, write that down, okay? Donuts does the spirit good. And this is in direct opposition to what Ken DeBose was teaching this morning in Bible class. Ken said, you need to stay away from sugar. You need to eat healthy. Here you go. Donuts does the spirit good. Here's what I want you to do this week, if you have the opportunity. Pick up some donuts. Even if you don't eat donuts, I know. Pick up some donuts and bring them with you to wherever you're going. You'd be surprised How many people will come up to the person with donuts at work or at school? Amen? All you got to do is crack them open. It's like, anyway, I'll leave you, (laughs) no illustrations. When you open up the donuts, you'd be surprised how many people come up to you, and you'd be surprised at the type of conversations you have with people just by bringing donuts, okay? So that's what I want you to do this week. Write that down. If you're going to work or if you have employees or you're going to school and you have the opportunity, bring some donuts and have a conversation with someone and you'll be surprised, I'm telling you, you'll be surprised at what happens and I think you'll have the opportunity to speak into someone's life. So donuts does the spirit good. Amen. You know what else will do the spirit good? If you stay for our luncheon after service today. So this morning, I'm going to close out my sermon, and I want to say this. If there is anyone here that needs to respond to the message this morning, we give you an opportunity. In a moment, we're going to sing a song of invitation. During that song of invitation, Ed is going to come up and lead us. If there is anyone here that needs to come forward and respond to the message, whether that be for prayer or, or confession or you want to put Christ on in baptism, we're giving you an opportunity. Some of our elders will be sitting up here in the front pew. We'll have some of our elders in the back of the auditorium with their wives. If anyone needs to respond to the message, we want to make sure that we give you the opportunity to do that. God is in this place. Scriptures where it says where two or three are gathered, there I am in the midst of them. God is here, and he wants you to come. So whatever your needs or concerns are, won't you come together while we stand and sing the song of invitation. I stand to praise you, 